Good morning, church. It's a great joy and a privilege to see you all. And it's a great honor this morning to be able to proclaim God's word to you. Let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Jesus had been teaching the crowds and performing miracles. And the disciples were with him, witnessing all of this. But although the disciples had been witnesses to Jesus' great words and his great deeds, they still don't get it. They believe, but just how much they believe or what they believe is at this stage a little bit unclear. Jesus had been teaching all day and performing miracles. He's now tired, exhausted. He wants to spend time alone with his disciples. And it's at this stage that we join Mark chapter 4 in verses 35. We're going to see the disciples follow the Lord Jesus into the storm. So let's read and pick up from Mark chapter 4 verses 35 to 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What is it? that you fear most? What makes you so anxious that it keeps you up at night? They say that fear has many eyes. It looks to the future at things that may never happen. It even looks back to the past at things that have happened but that cannot be changed. We fear not having enough money for our pension we fear change and losing control. Some of us even fear not having change, especially if we're in a bad situation, a bad working environment, a bad marriage. We fear being alone. We fear getting some horrible sickness or perhaps a family member, a child, a loved one having a horrible sickness. We fear losing our jobs in this environment, do we not? And worst of all, we fear not being able to get another job to care for ourselves and our families. What is it that you fear most? Of course, in all these fears, the deeper fear is that God is not in control. Is he aware of our situation? Is he watching or is he slumbering and sleeping and needing to be aroused? 
In today's message and passage, we see one of the greatest human fears that the disciples faced, the fear of death, second only to the fear of public speaking, I may add. And we see how Jesus will strengthen their faith by showing them that he is indeed in control in their storms. And so, dear friends, as we look at this text today, my hope is that we will learn to overcome our fears and to grow in our faith in Jesus by placing our trust more and more in him because he is the Lord over the storms that we face. And we're going to do this by looking at the disciples' experience. And we're going to see this in three ways. We're going to see that Jesus leads us from fear to faith in three ways. Firstly, we'll see that Jesus, to lead us from fear to faith, leads us into the storm. Jesus leads us into the storm. What had these men, as we have read this passage, what had these disciples done wrong that they came to be in this storm? That's right, nothing. There are times, of course, in our lives when disobedience or sin in our hearts, in our lives, bring us into a storm, like Jonah who disobeyed and found himself in a storm. But this is not always the case, and it wasn't the case here. We find that the disciples are in this storm, not because they were disobedient, but because they were obedient. Look again at Jesus' command at the end of verse 35. Let us go across to the other side, he said. And immediately the response from the disciples was to go to the other side, taking Jesus with them as he was. They did not pause and wait for a while and said, well, wait a minute, Lord Jesus. I just need to switch on the BBC to check what the weather report is going to be like, to see whether the weather is going to be amicable for us to get across to the other side. No, they stopped what they were doing, obeyed Jesus, and went across to the other side. Many, perhaps, won't even have bothered to look at their weather report. Because, you see, in many Christians' perspective, when we believe in Jesus, everything is supposed to go well. Everything is supposed to be a blessing. Why bother following and believing in Jesus if things are going to go bad? But the truth is that following Jesus is not an assured route to a happy life. In fact, it usually is not. It usually comes with trials when we obey Jesus. He may bring storms and trials into our life to strengthen our faith. The world would bring temptations and persecutions. And let's not forget that the devil, our adversary, he walks around, prowls around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. None of the disciples actually expected this storm, did they? And isn't that so true, that things in our lives can change so suddenly? You come into the office and asked to come into the boss's office and told that your job can no longer be sustained. You get a call from a loved one of some horrible terminal sickness. A pandemic comes and the whole world 
is turned upside down. Kids are at home. You're at home. It's all stress and hard and difficult to deal with. And here we see a sudden change in verse 37. Everything was peaceful and still, and then a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. And so our scene begins with the disciples in a storm, but not just any storm. Notice the text said, a great storm, which suddenly and unexpectedly hit them, and none of them were exempt. And none of us are exempt from this great storm that our Lord may bring into our lives to mature our faith. They had just left this crowd and thought that they were going into a peaceful, tranquil environment, but they got a shock of their lives. And as we obey Jesus, we are going to come into storms. Being a Christian does not deliver us from these great storms of life. Think about the Apostle Paul. His great and tremendous conversion was his life all nice and dandy thereafter? No, you only need to read 2 Corinthians chapter 11 to see that he faced many storms. And that's homework for you, by the way. The early church faced tremendous persecution. Many were martyred for their faith and obedience to Jesus Christ, persecuted in poverty. And many today in the church are facing the same storms and trials. Christians get serious illnesses. Christians get COVID. Even senior pastors get COVID. Christians are retrenched with depression and those floods fill our hearts and minds so that we cannot think straight. Doctors diagnose Christians' infertility. Christians get diagnosed with terminal illness, told that they only have months to live. The storms come in, the waves crash into the boats, our lives, and rock us. Christians may become aware of malicious lies told about them, their reputation and character dragged through the mud. A loved one or a friend could betray us. There is much despair and anguish as we try to deal with the storms that have hit us. Even Jesus himself faced storms, right? All your breakers and your waves have gone over me, the psalmist could say. He came into his own people, and his own people did not receive him. They rejected him outright. They saw no form or comeliness, no beauty that he should be desired. His own family thought he is crazy. They attributed the works of God which he was performing to Beelzebub. They would say, not this man, but Barabbas. And they completely rejected him as he hung there on the cross. Because of his obedience, he faced the cross for our sins. It was almost midnight when I got the call a few years back. I hadn't spoken to my younger brother in some time, and it was his wife calling me. I could hardly make out what she was saying. She was stuttering, mumbling, in tears. And finally, she was able to get her words out and told me that my brother had just been admitted to the hospital as an inpatient and had just been diagnosed with a terminal cancer. I, I didn't know what to say. I was in shock. 
this great storm had hit his life, had hit my life. He was given only months to live. During that period of about three months, I traveled to London over the weekend, pretty much every weekend in those three months to visit him. And every time I saw him, he was fading and fading and fading away until finally he passed away. That was a great storm in my life. And I often asked Jesus, why did you bring me through this? What lesson was there in that storm for me? So what are the storms that you are facing? What are the storms in your life? What are the winds and the waves that are overwhelming you and crushing you and hitting against the life that you're living? Even as a corporate body, as a church, we have faced storms, right? We faced a whole pandemic and had to deal with that situation, not being able to gather face to face, to have fellowship with one another. We've had a major pastoral transition to contend with, and we've had significant major budget cuts. We have all faced great storms, but whatever storms we face, my friends, let's not forget this, that it's Jesus who leads us into the storm, and he does this to strengthen our faith. He does this to strengthen our faith. He exposes our fears to lead us into faith. And so we've seen that in order to lead us from fear to faith, Jesus leads us into the storm. But we see now that he doesn't just lead us into the storm and leave us there. That would be pretty horrible. But Jesus also delivers us from the storm to lead us from fear to faith. Jesus delivers us from the storm. Well, if you consider the disciples and you were to do a straightforward pass or fail assessment on them, they obviously failed, and they failed quite miserably. This wasn't a 50%, 60%, or 70% pass rate. It was pass or fail, and they failed quite miserably. They had come to the end of their tether. These were experienced fishermen, but they reached the limits of They were now afraid. It must have been a serious storm. That notion of control that they had taken away. They weren't in control. But where was Jesus in all of this? Look at verse 38. He was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Can you imagine with all this great storm happening in front of them, around them, Jesus was asleep in the stern and on a cushion, they must have been so frustrated. They had seen him perform miracles, and there he is, just sleeping, just sleeping in the stern. They must have been frustrated. And this made them lose the assurance of his word that he gave to them in verse 35. Let us get across to the other side. They had his promise that they would get across to the other side. He did not promise that it would be smooth sailing, but he did promise that they would get to the other side. But here we see that they lacked assurance of his word in the storm. The storm had come between them and the assurance of Jesus' word. 
Isn't that so true for us? When we face our great storms, don't we stop reading the Bible? Those memory verses we, we had memorized as young kids, do they not just go out of the window? Those promises that we find in God's word, are they not so quickly forgotten as if they don't exist? We don't go to the Psalms to draw comfort and assurance from how God has worked in the lives of others before us. We don't rush to our knees in prayer to give thanks to God. When the storms of life come over us, we lose assurance of God's word. We do as the disciples do, who in their frustration and anxiety and fear cry out to the one they knew could help them, don't you care? You've never uttered such words? When a great storm has hit your life, you look around your life and it's falling apart, don't you care? They weren't in the situation for something that they had done wrong. They were in the situation because they obeyed Jesus. And maybe you're in a storm because you have obeyed Jesus and you're looking around at your circumstances and you're thinking, is Jesus asleep? Is he watching? Is he aware? Does he care? A great sickness has happened to someone in your family. Someone has lost a job. Don't you care? Don't you care that we are perishing? Maybe you don't say it. Maybe you just think it. You look around and you see these perfect families, these people with perfect children, perfect jobs, a perfect situation, and you think, isn't this just so unfair? Does Jesus only care for them? Jesus, don't you care that we are perishing? The depths of their hearts exposed. It's not just a lack of assurance of his word that they had though, right? It's a lack of assurance of his love. They lacked assurance of his love. What kind of a question was this? Of course Jesus cares. The reason he was in the boat with them is because he cares. The reason he came into the world is because he cares. The reason he was going to the cross is because he cares. The reason why he bore our sins in his own body on the tree is because he cares. The reason he was treated as sin should be treated is because he cares so that we, in trusting in him, might be made the righteousness of God in him. What more can he do to show you, to show us that he cares? So the writer could say that we should cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. And so we've seen the response of the disciples, but what about Jesus' response? How, how did he respond to being roused from sleep? Let's look at verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He rose and rebuked the storm, and immediately there was a calm, but not just a calm. It was a great calm. That great storm that we saw in verse 37 now gave way to a great calm, 
at the powerful word of the sovereign Lord Jesus. Notice that it wasn't a calm which happened 20 minutes later. That would have been a coincidence, right? That would not have assured the faith. That would not have strengthened the faith of the disciples. But the calming happened straight away. The storm came unexpectedly and straight away. The calming at the word of Jesus happened straight away. He displayed his sovereign power over creation, over nature. The one who spoke and it was. The one who upholds all things, sustains all things by his powerful word, speaks a word and the elements are stilled. But you know, the storm that was surrounding them wasn't the biggest issue, actually, that they faced. He did not just stop at calming the elements, because there was a, a greater issue at stake here. It was the issue of the disciples' heart. It's always a heart issue. It's always a heart issue that the Lord Jesus wants to deal with. And so he says to them in verse 40, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? They had been with him, seeing the miracles, his power, hearing his words. Have you still no faith? Can you not see that I'm here with you in the boat at peace, in control? Have you still no faith? Our greatest problems are not around us. They're within us. And that's why Jesus that he is in control. His promises say he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be with you until the end of the ages. He is with you in the boat and he is in control. Jesus, with his powerful word, brings the storm to an end. And so we see that in order to lead us from fear to faith, Jesus leads us into the storm, but he doesn't leave us in the storm. Jesus delivers us from the storm. But thirdly and lastly, I want us to see that in order to lead us from fear to faith, Jesus reveals himself to us in the storm. Jesus reveals himself to us in the context of a great storm in every storm in every trial there is an opportunity for us to get to really know who jesus is to gaze upon him to see him not only as the man but as god verily god but become truly human lower than angels to die in our place the hymn writer says and so we have an opportunity in our storm to see Jesus just as he is. And so he reveals himself to them and see the reaction of the disciples there in verse 41. And they were filled with a great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who then is this? You know, sometimes we can become very complacent about who Jesus is. You know, I often wonder when I read the Gospel of John, John was the beloved one of Jesus. He rested in, in, in Jesus' bosom. 
and, and they were close friends, close confidants. I often wonder how John would have reacted in, in their reunion, the post-resurrection reunion, when he saw Jesus again. But we only need to go to Revelation when we see the uh, Apostle John in the island of Patmos, and, and Jesus reveals himself to John. We see his reaction as he sees Jesus in his glory and in his power, how he falls down in fear. Who then is this? should be a question that we constantly have in our hearts. We should not come, become complacent about Jesus. He's not just a perfect man. He is very God, true God. And so in the context of our great storm, Jesus reveals himself to us. Have you seen Jesus in your storm? He wants to strengthen your faith by showing you that he is the one that is in control, that he is the Lord, the sovereign one, the creator of all things. He wants to reveal himself to you so that your faith might be strengthened and your trust in him might increase because he is the true storm stopper. He is the Lord of the storm. And we should rightly fear him and fear him alone because you see, the Lord Jesus Christ has already acted to deliver us from the greatest storm that we could ever face, the storm of judgment from our sins. The same Jesus who calmed the storm with a word did not use his power to come down from the cross, but he hung there naked and ashamed, and he hung there for our sins, for us, taking the judgment that we deserve. All God's waves and billows and the judgment of sin falling upon him for us. My non-Christian friend, we all face storms, but I would hate to face a storm without Jesus in the boat with me. I, I just can't conceive of that, facing this great storm without Jesus in the boat with me. Do you know Jesus as your personal savior? Have you repented of your sins and trusted in him. Do you know the peace of Jesus which passes all understanding? He died on the cross to pay for our sins. And he rose from the dead and demonstrated that he had power, not over just the elements, but over death itself. The disciples had no way of knowing at that moment that this experience that they were facing was for their good, that this experience was a vehicle to teach them about themselves, to expose their heart of their fear, and to point them more vividly to Jesus so that they could see his power in their lives. The storm was essential to the spiritual development of the disciples. And the storms that you may be facing are essential for your spiritual maturity for your growth as a believer in Jesus. And so we see a principle of universal application that without stresses, without trials, without failures, we would not grow in our faith and become the people that Jesus wants us to become, to have a faith that is strengthened and a trust that is holy and fully on him, Jesus, the great storm stopper. He wants to help us through the storms. He leads us 
from fear to faith by leading us into the storms. He doesn't leave us there, but he delivers us from the storms. And he, in those storms, reveals himself to us. Will you trust him in your storms? Let's pray. Our gracious God and Father, we are so thankful for our Lord Jesus Christ, thankful for his promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us, thankful for the truth that he cares for us. Help us to be assured by his promises and by his word and help us to be contemplative that though we are going through great storms, although we might go through great storms, that he is in the boat with us that he is in control and that he will deliver us from these great storms and at the same time will strengthen our faith, will reveal himself to us so that we might trust him the more and grow in maturity. We thank you so much for your grace to us in his worthy name. Amen.